Hello and welcome to the ViperCast. I'm Matt Donnelly, that's Tara Roberts, and we're going to break down some Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens here. Right now, the Ravens, they are three and a half point favorites right now with the over-under set at 45. When we take a close look at this, one team comes in this contest healthy, the other, not so much. Let's take a look. Mark Andrews, he looks like he's coming back for the Baltimore Ravens. We'll talk about that here in a second. Marlon Humphrey, Deshaun Phillips. These guys look like they've probably been limited throughout practice this week, and their status is questionable. That being said, on the other side, probably the biggest loss is Joe Tooney, who will not play this week for the Kansas City Chiefs, which leaves a major void along that offensive line, which we know about the Baltimore Ravens and their ability to get after the quarterback, a league-leading 60 sacks this season. Now, when we look at this game, Tara, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, they are making their sixth straight AFC Championship trip. This time, this one is on the road where they are the underdogs. Here, you have two of the most electric quarterbacks in the game today and a pair of former NFL MVPs there looking for that trip to Las Vegas. Mahomes and the Chiefs, they have been, well, not quite Mahomes and the Chiefs as of late, as far as this offense has been concerned. Their, their identity has been tied to that defense for much of the season. Now, when we take even a little bit of a closer look at this, I Lamar Jackson basically promised Ravens fans that this day was coming. Back on his draft day, he said he would get this team a Super Bowl. And right now, when we look at this, he's well on his way. As far as the weather is concerned, Tara, 40% chance of rain in the forecast, a high of 49, and of note, and I think this is key here, of note, of the Ravens' 13 wins this season, they have won 10 games against teams 500 or better. And if you look at what they've done recently against those good teams, it's not that they've been beating them. They've been beating them bad. We're talking 24-0 in the second half against the Texans. I mean, this team right now, the Ravens, they are a team to be reckoned with. What are you looking for in this contest? How do you see this thing kind of playing out? Oh, I, I see this one hopefully going exactly how I want it. Um, the Ravens winning here. Uh, and, and hats off to Kansas City for turning things around. They went through that horrible slump there where things just were not clicking on the offense. And to their credit, they pulled stuff together and found a way to get the ball to Rasheed Rice more. That That is what I really feel has been the key for the turnaround for their offense. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think that this is really just Lamar Jackson's year and I'm looking forward to it. So I, I see this one. Um, I see this one heading Lamar's way um, for his MVP season. Well, when you look at this chiefs team, if they're going to have success, it's going to be from these players on the offense. We know this defense is going to come out there and they're going to play as good as they can against this Baltimore Ravens offense, which by the way, is scoring like 32 points per game. They're only giving up 17. And if you look at all the major statistical categories on defense, Baltimore is number one or number two. So it's going to be tough sledding for this chiefs offense, but is there a player that you trust on the chiefs team and who's a player you're fading as far as maybe fantasy is concerned? I trust um, Rasheed Rice. I know it's um, it's a really difficult matchup, but again, he has just shined on another level for me. He's the Amon Ross St. Brown of this draft class. I mean, obviously a little bit higher draft capital here, but in terms of expectations and the way that he surged in the back half of the season, what I expect for him in 2024, I'm just absolutely obsessed with his skill set um, and the way that he's pulled through for Kansas City. So despite the difficult matchup, I do feel like he's got big game capabilities and and I am comfortable starting Rasheed Rice. So that that's that is my start there. 
And then who are you sitting here? Because, I mean, this offense for me with the Kansas City Chiefs, it has me concerned as far as fantasy production is concerned here altogether. Because when you look at those one-and-done contests, typically you want a team that's about to get eliminated here. But you can't really trust a whole lot of these Chiefs players. Who is that one player that you're basically fading altogether? I, I don't want to steal your thunder on here, but I mean, when you're looking at all the quarterbacks in these matchups, I mean, there's 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 two in particular that shine in terms of um, not matchup and upside, really. And I just don't feel like Mahomes is one that you have to start here. Unfortunately, no offense to him, I feel like I've been beaten up on him. But from a fantasy perspective, the upside just hasn't really been there. So it, it's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, when I look at the Chiefs, I start there's. One guy that I really trust, Rasheed Rice, he's got that little bit of an ankle injury that may or may not factor into the whole thing when it's all said and done. Travis Kelsey is the one player that I actually have faith in when it comes to this Chiefs team. You can't trust these other pass-catching options, especially if their names are Marquez Valdez-Gantling and Kadarius Tony, who is also on the injury report. When we look at this Chiefs pass-catchers, if the Chiefs are to have success, someone has to step up, not name Kelsey and not name Rice. And you look at that, Nicole Hardman, Richie James, Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. None of these guys screams to me a value play here. Baltimore, they've been one of the top defensive units all season long. We talked about that. And they've been proven to be good against both the run and the pass. And they continue to get after that quarterback. That's 60 stacks there. They've basically got more interceptions than they have touchdown passes allowed. And I'm going to bring that up when I talk about Patrick Mahomes, who is my sit this week, because he hasn't been good. He hasn't been Patrick Mahomes as far as fantasy is concerned. He's still winning games with his Kansas City Chiefs team. That is good. But not when we look at these fantasy matchups. In the playoffs, 477 passing yards, three touchdowns in two games. And he faces his defense here that I mentioned. More interceptions than passing touchdowns allowed. 60 sacks this season. Tooney, he's out of it. That's going to be a big hole on the offensive line for the Chiefs. Baltimore, they're only allowing 17 uh, points per game. They shut out the Texans in the second half. What more can you expect from this Ravens team? Say what you want about the Texans. I'll be honest. I will take C.J. Stroud in fantasy and his weapons over what Patrick Mahomes has done and what his weapons look like this season. So, I mean, I think the Texans were a bigger challenge for this Ravens team on the, for them to be defensively challenged this season. I don't see how Kansas City can stress this Ravens unit. Now, when we talk about that Ravens unit, who's a player that you're starting and who's a player you're sitting for fantasy? I'm always starting Lamar. Um, fantasy, DFS, I mean, just everything. It is always, always Lamar. I mean, the offense runs through him. Touchdowns through the air are going through him, obviously. Touchdowns on the ground are going through him. Um, the upside that he has in terms of fantasy value without having to put up aggressive pass volume is just it's 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 immense um that said he can also put up that pass volume if he has to i just don't think this is a kind of shootout situation here with kansas city and the way that their defense has been obviously this will be more of a competitive um defensive game but lamar will still put up points here and he is the one who has the highest value um and absolutely that is my must start for the ravens and then on the other side who are you sitting uh it's going to be Gus Edwards. Um, and I think, I mean, I feel like that's an easy one there um, for Gus Edwards. I mean, 
technically speaking, he is theoretically believed back, but it's not really amounting to much. He is touchdown dependent. We do have Justice Hill that's been pulling through in terms of providing a little bit more fantasy upside as well. Um, in terms of his involvement, you got Dalvin Cook coming in there, adding a little something too. So Gus Edwards, I just don't really think there's much upside, particularly when you're looking at all the other running back options that are available on all these other teams. I mean, there's just no need to go there with Gus. Yeah, that's an interesting one with Gus Edwards because I'll talk about another player in this Ravens backfield in a minute. But Lamar Jackson is an interesting one for me because he struggled most of the season when it came to the blitz. But against the Houston Texans that blitzed him 75% of the time, he completed 13 of 18 passes for 120 yards and two touchdowns. We know Spag, uh, Nola likes to mix it up there for the Chiefs unit there. He's going to have to really disguise what he does in order to get to Lamar Jackson. You blitz him, he beat him last week. You sit back and you let uh, Jackson have a clean pocket, 105 passer rating from a clean pocket when not being blitzed. So Kansas City, they're going to have their hands full dealing with Lamar Jackson. And that's not even counting what he's going to be able to do with his legs, right? I mean, Lamar Jackson is just a different dude. You can game plan how you want. You can take all the stats. Uh, Kansas City is allowing X amount of fast points per game to the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, while he is a quarterback, he's so much more, which makes him such a threat every time he steps on the field. Now, I will say this. When I'm looking at this quarterback situation, especially in those one-and-done contests, I could convince myself to play Patrick Mahomes if I've already started Lamar Jackson. And if I've already started Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to start Lamar Jackson and hope one of these guys from the NFC is that quarterback that I can get in the Super Bowl. So you're kind of doing a little bit of a uh, – trying to figure out who can start, who can't start, and trying to make sure you have enough players here when it's all said and done, especially at the quarterback position, because that's a place you do not want to miss in those one-and-done contests. Now, for me, when I look at this, my Ravens start – I'm going to go with Isaiah Likely. Lamar Jackson, he has been able to spread the ball around. He spread it around again last week, eight different pass catchers, and that's without Mark Andrews even being a factor in any of that. You put him into this equation, look out. Kansas City, they basically made Stephon Diggs look like Nelson Aguilar. I'm talking about the one who couldn't catch babies back in Philadelphia there. Balls going between his hands. That's what Stephon Diggs looked like against this Kansas City Chiefs secondary. And you know what? You look at this, third fewest fantasy points allowed this season to the wide receiver position. Make no mistake, Jackson, he is going to be this Ravens offense, tying into what you were just saying there. But it is worth noting that Dalton Kincaid, he led the Bills last week with 45 yards on five receptions. So if there is a play to be had, it's Isaiah Likely. And in one-and-done contests, this may be the time to use him because if the Ravens are to advance, Mark Andrews is going to be available in your Super Bowl. And that's a big add in those uh, fantasy contests. Now, as far as... My sits are concerned. I'm fading basically anyone who's a pass catcher on this Ravens team. I mentioned that this Chiefs secondary is good, and I mentioned that Jackson is spreading the ball around here. So it's too much ball spreading around or too much getting everyone involved for anyone to be a real factor as far as fantasy is concerned. You look at what receiver you may start, Zay Flowers. He only had four catches, I think, for 41 yards last week. He was the leading receiver. That is not a guy I want to start this week. And again, if the Ravens do advance, whether it be the San Francisco 49ers or the Detroit Lions, that is a much better matchup against those secondaries than it is this week. Now, Tara, give me a sleeper here before we wrap up. Well, let's go with Nelson Aguilar. Um, you mentioned him, you know, not catching babies and whatnot. He's catching them now. It's all good. Um, he's good for, you know, several targets. He's good for some big play opportunities. And on top of that, he does have some touchdown equity. 
I think at this point he is a more reliable sleeper option than somebody like Odell. So if you need to go down to that bottom barrel type of option, I think Nelson Aguilar is someone that you can turn to. All right, I'm going to stick with the Ravens here, and I'm going to go with Justice Hill. After I saw what James Cook did against this Chiefs uh, run defense last week, I feel pretty good about Justice Hill. Look for that run-pass option to basically freeze those Chiefs linebackers. Spangdola, he's going to play a game of cat and mouse with Jackson. I mentioned that 75% blitz there last week. Jackson, he did throw for 120 yards. He was getting the ball out in the second half in 2.25 seconds as opposed to over three seconds in the first half. With all this extra attention being placed on Lamar Jackson, you have to feel that Hill will be able to capitalize when given an opportunity. He averaged 5.1 yards last week per carry against the Texans team. That has been much improved throughout the season and into the postseason as far as that defense is concerned. Again, I'm looking at what James Cook did against this Chiefs team, and I'm thinking Justice Hill, he may be that guy that's going to be able to put you over the top in those playoff contests, and he could be the X factor in this game. Now, Tara, give me a prediction. Who wins this game? Who loses? And, you know, throw a score out there for while you're at it. Uh, the Raven. Oh, man. Don't make me give a random score because I didn't think about this in advance. And now I got to do what makes logical math sense here. Um, we're going to go Ravens 27 and Chiefs uh, 20. Ooh, you got that game closer. I got this game being a blowout. The Ravens have been blowing everybody out. It doesn't matter who they are. They're a good team. I mean, they were, the closest game, I think, against a good team that they've had was the San Francisco 49ers, where they beat them by 14 points. They handled business with the Texans. They handled business with the Dolphins. This week, they're going to handle business with the Chiefs 31-17. to 17. Right on those averages there, the Ravens average 30 points per game or 32 points per game. They give up 17 points per game. This is it right here. Ravens 31, Chiefs 17, no doubt about it. Now, if you're just joining us, if you're catching us late, if you're just catching the replay, whatever it happens to be, we've already talked about that AFC Championship. Now it is time to turn our focus to the NFC Championship, where the Detroit Lions head to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. And right now, Vegas already has the Lions as 7.5-point underdogs and has set that over-under at about 51 points. That means Vegas, they're expecting scoring. But for some reason, they are still disrespecting the Lions. I'll come right out there and say it. Now, San Francisco, for all that's been said about them, they're really only dealing with one major injury, and that is one to Debo Samuel, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But he's dealing with that scapula injury. He's going to play. He's limited in practice, but I have a pretty good feeling he's going to play. Now, whether he's going to be a decoy or actually be a factor is another story altogether. As for the Lions, Huge, huge uh, moves here on the injury report. Khalif Raymond out. Jonah Jackson, MCL surgery earlier on this week. Huge loss for the Lions in that interior offensive line. Frank Ragdow, he looks like he's going to be playing. He is a warrior. He went down last week with ankle and knee injuries, finished off the game. He's basically the straw that stirs that Lions offensive drink as far as that run game is concerned. He's the guy going out there biting kneecaps and letting the running backs run on top of the defenders. So when we look at this game, in San Francisco, you have two quarterbacks looking to silence critics. You're looking at one who's basically Mr. Irrelevant, who's never got the respect that he deserves. He was the final player drafted in the 2022 NFL Draft. And last week, say what you will, he struggled in the rain last week. But when it mattered most, Tara, he came through leading the 49ers on a game-winning drive. 
The other quarterback, a former first overall pick in 2016, I believe, who some believe has never lived up to his draft stock, despite being only the fifth quarterback to take two different teams to championship contests. The other four, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, Kurt Warner, not bad company for Jared Goff. Goff, he's looking to get the Lions back into the championship game sit for the first time since 1957, which happens to be the last time the Lions won a road game in the playoffs. The opponent then was the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I'm not saying that the Detroit Lions or the Cardiac Cats aren't a team of destiny, but I'm not not saying it either. You know, Tara, when we look at this, is there a storyline that you particularly enjoy about this matchup? Uh, yeah, I, I do. I mean, it, it's interesting because I do feel like Jared Goff is very similar to Brock Purdy, just with far better draft capital. Um, they're both guys who obviously get get knocked for being more so game managers, not having that true game changing upside of the guys like we just talked about the Patrick Mahomes and the Lamar Jacksons of the world. But when we're looking at these two quarterbacks, I do think that they're both very capable of um, leading their teams to a Super Bowl. We know that with golf. So when we're looking at these these quarterbacks, I think it's a battle of guys who are really trying to solidify and prove themselves. So regardless of what happens here, somebody is going to make a point. I'm crossing my fingers that it is Jared Goff because I'm a Jared Goff supporter, despite the fact that he is my my uh, NFC North rival there. I, I do support his um, his hopeful turnaround here and the respect that he, I do think he deserves in terms of being able to um, drive, be a driving force within the team, not just a game manager, um, being able to put up points and really be effective overall. So um, I, I like this narrative. I like this game. Um, obviously, my my preferred game of the week is watching Lamar Jackson win, but I'm going to enjoy watching this game as well because I'm hoping that Detroit can pull off the nice upset here. Well, it'll be interesting what kind of cat we see this week. I mean, typically we've seen the Detroit Lions as being a house cat, performing much better in the Dome, and Dan Campbell wants them to be a back alley cat here. They want them to be out there and going out there and playing physical, and they haven't had, and Jared Goff is probably the poster boy for this, hasn't had the same kind of success on the road as he has at home. Five straight losses to this 49ers team, three and seven in his career. That is going to be part of this narrative heading into this contest. Now, Tara, when we look at this from fantasy starts, fantasy sits, or maybe just as far as the NFL is concerned, who's a player who's going to come out there and ball out, and who's a guy that you're like, you're not feeling too good about this week as far as the 40, uh, sorry, as far as the Detroit Lions are concerned. I mean, it's basic, but it's always Amon Ross St. Brown, even um, going up against this 49ers defense. They're vulnerable through the air. We, we've we seen them be attacked fairly well. And Amon Ross St. Brown is someone who I think can absolutely blow up in this game and at the very least have that aggressive volume <clears throat> that makes him that guy that we love and that we start and that we want to rely on um, for a sit. Although I did talk glowingly of him, and this is not a disrespect to thinking that he is going to um, bomb out in this game. I don't think that's the case, but I do think that the way that they're going to approach this game is to try and lean on David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs and obviously mix in the wide receivers and the upside, but it's going to be a very balanced attack. And when you're looking at a balanced attack for Detroit and you're obviously not in that dome, we know kind of the math that happens there. You get Jared Goff with not the massive fantasy production. So I think he'll still have a fine game and, you know, hopefully cross our fingers, lead this team to a victory 
But in terms of fantasy production and value, uh, you know, not feeling it this week, obviously, just because of the circumstances. Yeah, I think like Brock Purdy, Jared Goff is in the same boat where he doesn't need to necessarily win the game for his team, but he can't lose the game. I think that's where it is. I'm not saying he's a game manager because when you watch Jared Goff, it was like he was death by 1,000 paper cuts, short passes, short passes, short passes. But then they hit the deep ball, something that Jared Goff was not afraid to do, averaging about 17.2 yards when they do decide to air it out, a 52% explosion rate there. I mean, just because they don't go for the deep ball all the time doesn't mean that the deep ball is not being set up by this run game, by that short passing game. And for me, Jameer Gibbs is that guy here that I am starting this week. You can run on this 49ers team, despite what the regular season fantasy numbers would suggest. I like Gibbs more than I like David Montgomery here, especially when we talk about that banged up Frank Rag. Now, the loss of Jonah Jackson, which is going to be making it a little bit more difficult to run inside, but that doesn't mean Jameer Gibbs isn't going to bounce it outside. It's not going to mean he's not going to be a factor in the short passing game, which will be an extension of this Lions run game. Detroit ran for 114 yards against a solid Bucks run defense with 74 of those being courtesy of Jameer Gibbs, who can break one off at any time. Detroit leans run heavy with an 11th highest run rate over expectation per NFL uh, generated stats there, and the sixth most efficient running team in the league per EPA. Now look for the Lions to establish the run early and set up that play action after coming out last week by basically throwing the ball around the field, not only to start the game, but to start that second half. And we look at what uh, Aaron Jones did last week, your Packers team. It's not like the 49ers stopped the run. He had 118 yards, I think, on 18 carries. He was churning it out. And I think if the Packers would have stuck with the run game, they would have continued to have success. So I think there is a way for a Lions team who is better at running the ball than the Packers to have success against this 49ers team. Now, that being said, I may contradict myself a little bit here, but I am sitting David Montgomery. Two reasons why here. One, this feels like a Gibbs game to me as a runner and as a pass catcher. Craig Reynolds, he basically vultured a touchdown away from Montgomery here last week, who I feel is very touchdown dependent and a risk I'm not necessarily willing to take. That injury to Ragnow and the loss of Jackson, they do factor into how I think about this. And I'd still like to kind of have, and this is point two here, if I'm looking at these playoff contests, if the Lions are to advance, I'm starting Jameer Gibbs this week because, you know, San Francisco, they are the favorite, and I want to make sure I use a good player. But on the back of my mind, if the Lions are to advance, I want to have David Montgomery, whether it be the Chiefs or the Ravens, I want to be able to have a running back to use in these fantasy contests. So for that reason, I am sitting David Montgomery because I think he's more touchdown dependent. It's going to be tougher to run inside, and Jameer Gibbs is going to have the bigger game. And that way, I also have an option heading into next week. Now, for me, the guy I'm sitting, that's what I just told you about, that's why I'm sitting him. It's a bit of a contradiction right now, Tara, but I think it's the smart play strategically in those fantasy contests. Now, when we look at maybe 49ers here, is there a strategy you're looking to employ? Is there a player you're starting and a player you feel more comfortable in sitting this week? I know you may not like it, Matt, but if Debo Samuel plays, I am starting Debo. Um, obviously, this Lions secondary has um, gotten a little boost here, so we're looking at them a little bit differently than they were previously. But um, that said, they're still vulnerable through the air. Um, we saw that last week with, obviously, a um, good game from um, uh, Mike Evans. We, uh, sorry, yeah, from Mike Evans. So when we're looking at... Um, Debo Samuel and the streak that he has been on, um, just how impressive he's been this season as a whole. 
I'm trusting it if he is in the game. So if we're, if we got healthy Debo, healthy ish Debo, if he's active, I'm going with it. Um, my sit here, uh, it's, I mean, my God, it's really kind of tough to sit anyone. Who in do you sit, right? To be yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, I can't, there's not really a single player, um, typically in a 49ers offense that we really say that you can sit. Um, and it's not Brock Purdy either. Cause obviously we know that you, that you can factually, um, light them up. So I just, I, I can't, I know I can't sit anyone in, on the 49ers, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, and when I look at this, I will sit someone on the 49ers. I'll start with that. I'll start with Debo Samuel. I think he is banged up. I think if he does play, he is going to be a, a decoy out there. Uh, this injury is not as bad as the previous injury, but I think he's going to be less than 100%. And this is good news, I guess, for the other pass catchers here as far as the 49ers are concerned for fantasy. I mean, it is tough to sit in these – I mean, you can basically sit in these 49ers in one-and-done contests if you think that this is a team that is going to advance, right? I mean, you look at it, you're like, yeah, hey, I want to save these guys. Maybe I can justify sitting Christian McCaffrey so that I have them for the Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's one way to kind of look at it. Brock Purdy, you're not going to sit. Every team has thrown for 300 yards against this Detroit Lions. See Matthew Stafford, Baker Mayfield, and then we watched uh, – Mike Evans, you mentioned that, 147 yards last week. Puka Nakua, 181 in the wild card round. So you know someone is going to be able to produce offensively. The question is, who is that going to be? For me, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with uh, George Kittle here when I look at which players I could trust on this 49ers team because you look at what has happened with George Kittle. He's been dominant whenever Debo Samuel has missed a game. Dating back to last season, George Kittle has played six games without Debo Samuel. In those six contests, he is averaging 5.2 receptions on 7.3 targets, which has added up to 90.6 yards per game. He also has a 26% target share, a 25.7% targets per route run, while averaging 3.31 yards per route run and 20 over 20 fantasy points per game. We know when you look at these prop bets right now, I'm taking the over on George Kittle. I'm taking an anytime touchdown by George Kittle. I'm taking 300-plus yards from Brock Purdy. This is a team you mentioned that you could throw on. Brandon Ayuk, he could be that guy too, based on what we've seen from Mike Evans and Puka Nakua. So we know that this 49ers team is going to be able to pass the ball on Detroit because Detroit's number one responsibility is to stop the run, which is probably easier said than done when it comes to Christian McCaffrey. Now, Tara, when we look at sits, now we are not sits, sorry, sleepers. Look at a sleeper. Who is the one player that you are willing to put out there in your lives, or who's an X factor to win this game? Um, I, I think you you've nailed it. Uh, but if I was going to go someone with someone other than who you're about to talk about, um, I would say if you want to take a, a, a little bit of a leap of faith, maybe if you're going with your um, storyline that Debo is going to be a decoy, then you could turn to Jawan Jennings. Yes, love it. Absolutely. You talked about last week when Debo went down. It was Jennings who was a guy who produced for the 49ers. I can't remember what the numbers were, but it was something like four for 51 or something around that ballpark. So, yeah, absolutely, Tara. That is that guy. He was the kind of like guy I was going to pivot to here. 40 for the San Francisco 49ers. I had a couple of lines. Khalif Raymond was in that consideration because he does have the fifth most deep targets on this Lions team behind Amon Ross St. Brown. But for me, 
It's Josh Reynolds. You love Josh Reynolds. I love Josh Reynolds. The reason why? The 49ers have allowed the ninth most receiving yards this season against slot receivers. And that's where you're going to see Reynolds lining up a majority of the time there on Sunday. So when you look at that, this is why he happens to be the guy. So the Lions, we also mentioned that there's going to be opportunities to take that deep shot. And if I felt good about Khalif Raymond prior to his injury, I'm going to probably feel good about Jameson Williams, who is basically averaging about 17.2 yards per game or per uh, attempt there. So when you look at that, we talk about that explosive playability for the Detroit Lions, dink and dunk, dink and dunk, run the ball, run the ball, take a shot. Then Jamison Williams could be that guy who happens to have that one deep threat for 80 yards and a touchdown. And then there you go. There's your 14 fantasy points right there in one shot. So for me, I'm going to go with uh, Josh Reynolds as my sleeper pick. You're going to go with Josh Reynolds slash Jawan Jennings, and you're not going to be wrong with either one of those. How do you see this game, though, Tara? Before we close out this show, how do you see this game playing out? I think we're going to get a, uh, I say shootout, but um, not necessarily a shootout because, you know, the vast majority of the touchdowns could come from the running backs in this. We could get a run out. Does that, because that what we can call it? Um, running backs oh, going off on both sides. Um, yeah, I think this is just going to be a, um, an offensive showcase from both sides. That's what I'm hoping for here. Cause I don't know if we're going to get that from the other game. So this is a nice contrast here. Um, I think they're going to hit the over and we're looking at Detroit cross our fingers winning 34, um, 31 dramatic. You know what? And my head is telling me the San Francisco 49ers, everything is telling me the San Francisco 49ers. They're the best team in the NFC, obviously by the record that would show that. But the heart wants, Tara, what the heart wants. And I want a Detroit Lions Super Bowl appearance here. I know what all the conspiracy theorists are saying out there. All those with their tinfoil hats on, looking at the Super Bowl logo, that is purple and red. And you know what? They may be onto something the last two seasons. Whatever logos have been in that Super Bowl logo, that has been the teams that have been representing the AFC and the NFC in that Super Bowl. So right now, that logo is telling us it's a Ravens 49ers playoff, right? That's what we're going to be hearing right now. I, I don't want it. I want the Detroit Lions. I think this is a better story. I think this is a, a redemption story, a retribution story, some kind of story there. And I've got this game 24-23 for the Detroit Lions. Hey, I'm going with the heart here, and I hope everyone kind of plays out that way. I think, I think the Ravens-Lions has a nice little ring to it, something different. We haven't seen these teams in the Super Bowl. I mean, we haven't seen the Lions in the Super Bowl since 1957, <laughs> but... It's been something that we haven't had. It's something new. And with everything going on in the NFL these days, the coaching carousel, times are changing, people. Times are changing. So it is time to put the Detroit Lions in the Super Bowl. Tara, last word to you. I love it. I mean, love, I can't add anything to that. Um, this is what I want. I want Lamar Jackson versus Jared Goff. I want Detroit versus Baltimore. I think that is a beautiful storyline here. I get the why people want the 49ers, but let's come on here. Baltimore versus Detroit, just city-wise, it makes sense. Let's 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 give it to them. And I'm hoping that Eminem comes out there, pushes Usher off the stage, and takes over the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime performance. Let's go. We'll see you next week. <laughs>